Welcome back to another edition of Billy West Live. Dr. Greg Granger joins us uh, once again to discuss the uh, what seems to be the imminent invasion of Ukraine. Um, Greg, you've studied Vladimir Putin for years. Uh, you and I have had off-air conversations about what his goals are, about maybe reunifying, quote, Mother Russia, the Soviet Union. Um, it, it, again, there's so many ethnicities within Russia that it would take an hour to explain all that from your perspective. But what is your prediction of what Vladimir Putin is going to do uh, in Ukraine in the next few days? Everybody says maybe February is what he's waiting for. What What is going to happen? Well, I think he's going to continue to delay action with diplomatic talks. He's allowing lower-level talks. He may go ahead and do a summit meeting with with Biden, probably over Zoom or something like that. Uh, he may do summit meetings with some of the NATO leaders. There's a lot of diplomacy going on right now, but in my view, it's mostly just to delay matters until he gets uh, his forces in place, which they pretty much are, and engages with this planned military uh, exercise with Belarus. I think, you know, that, again, that's kind of the uh, uh, the mask or, or the, the hidden reason why he's there. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes. Now, we also have to keep in mind, we do spend, you're right, a lot of time on the man, on the person of Vladimir Putin. But he has, you know, a bureaucracy around him. He has a foreign policy bureaucracy and a military bureaucracy that are also have very long time grievances against the West. This idea of NATO expansion, uh, they've been they've put pressure on Putin for a very long time to take these sort of actions. Not that he's not inclined to do so. He obviously is. But he has an establishment at home. The elites that work in the military and, and, and that are tired of feeling like a second-class uh, nation, they want to prove Russia's might and strength again. And they want to try to push the West back a bit. So it's not just Putin. He's got a system with him that, that works with these ideas of, of expansionism, of, of strength and power, improving their, their status. And so, um, you know, I, I think that's something to keep in mind. Now, again, that's a little separate from the domestic politics of Russia. That, that's the elites that work with the president. Uh, the people of Russia, I don't know. We'll just have to see. Uh, you know, it's easy to... Uh, like the Americans did at the start of World War One and the start of even Vietnam, you know, go in with a lot of enthusiasm and support the troops. But once sure. things start turn, turning sour, uh, he may find himself with a, a bit of problem back home as well. Well, see, obviously people lose the appetite for the video, especially now in today's Internet world, when they see those atrocities on TV. I think people will lose an appetite for it quick. I've also heard it, it described as if he does invade Afghanistan, that pretty quickly it, it may erode his political strength within Russia because it might be seen as the second Afghanistan, as historians understand. I mean, Russia got their behinds kicked in Afghanistan and had to leave. I mean, give, give your thoughts well, about did, that. But it was, you know, keep in mind, over a very long period of time. But, of course, now yes. war is fundamentally different. Right. And, of course, the war he'd be fighting is, is a bit different. Although, again, I do expect somewhat of an insurgency movement to, to grow out of this, like in Afghanistan. Um, yes, uh, I think the word we're looking for is another quagmire, right? Another mm -hmm. uh, uh, quicksand of, of, of for, for the Russian troops to rather sink in and, and, and not have immediate success. I mean, yeah... Some people make a big deal that Russia is now in the Middle East very strongly. They're in Syria. 
But at the same time, what are they getting out of it? Uh, right. In my view, it's costing them a great deal. It costs them a great deal to be in Afghanistan. And I think it's going to be very costly to be in Ukraine. Uh, and it may not benefit the Russians that much. But my advice to the American people is, is that this could get kind of bad for us, especially economically. We're already facing these pressures on our economy. And especially with the energy market being disrupted somewhat, because the energy market, you know, it's global, but something happens in one important part of the world and everything is is affected. Right. So, uh, you know, we, we might amp up American production. We might do a variety of things, but it's it's still a disruption. And especially if a lot of resources have to be diverted to Europe because Russia has cut off or we have cut off the supply from Russia, whatever, however it happens. But it's it could affect us. You know, again, not directly. It's not like we're going to have a military conflict here in the United States. But I think economically and for some time, very tense relations in, in, in diplomacy and military is going to be facing us for some time to come. Well, and as we talked in a previous segment about the the production in Ukraine of wheat and corn, I, I've also heard that this could severely affect continuing pressures on even food supply in America. I mean, th- those are things that these uh, kinds of conflicts have international implications. Well, sure. This we are in a you know still global market. I think uh, the powers of globalization that have been growing for forty years have started to recede a bit as countries are trying to become more self-sufficient and realizing they don't want to be as dependent on outside sources. But that doesn't happen overnight. Uh, there's still always going to be a level uh, of obviously of trade of of. Uh, of investment that goes across borders. And so, again, uh, you know, this isn't just Crimea. This isn't a small country. It isn't just Armenia or Azerbaijan, which kind of in the middle of nowhere. This is right, uh, you know, just off the heart of of, of, uh, of Europe. So that, that just brings in different dynamics. And, of course, this is um, going to be a major test of the NATO alliance. Uh, the United States has support from the eastern european countries and the baltic countries uh this is also a worry that that this that ukraine is not the only goal of putin's mind that he's also looking at not necessarily poland but perhaps some of the baltic lithuania and latvia and estonia because uh, he's always wanted them back and so that so the united states has been shoring up uh material and resources in that part of the world but uh, that just goes to show that this has extensive consequences beyond the border even of, of Ukraine itself. So I think, like I said, we're, we're looking at some engagement with this and, and perhaps some hard times uh, to come. Now, it is possible, and he kind of reversed that, it is possible they're going to reach a deal, uh, that the diplomacy is going to work, that we could come up with some sort of concession that doesn't engage us too much in, in sacrifice, but um, satisfies Russia to some degree. I'll be perfectly honest. I don't see that happening. I, I, I do not see what agreement could be made unless we go, you know, completely overboard and say we will never expand NATO again or we will retrench NATO. No president's going to do that. Uh, that that's just not going to happen. No, so, like I said, I, I'm afraid we're looking at a real world situation here. Well, again, that's why we had you on the show to get your uh, opinions and predictions. Uh, last question, a comment about um, Joe, Joe Biden's administration's response to this crisis, I'll call it. Uh, Boris Johnson issued some statements earlier this week. We seem to be in alliance with not only Britain but, but NATO. But what is your opinion of the Biden administration's response and NATO's response so far? 
Okay. Well, uh, the Biden administration thinks uh, they do have some trouble, seems like, with communication. Sometimes uh, uh, the president, you know, says certain sentences that just don't come out right. That, <laughs> um, uh, you know, a week or so ago when he made that comment about a small incursion into Ukraine and they had to walk it back. And we're still not sure what it means, uh, you know, coming up with a coherent communication strategy in a, in a changing situation like this is very difficult. Uh, we do have, I think, good people in place. The State Department has been uh, kind of refurbished. You know, it, it really suffered a lot under the previous four years. A lot of people were uh, lost their job. We had a lot of bureaus and, and, and things that were empty. Uh, there have been, we have been rather slow putting uh, uh, ambassadors into place. That's starting to pick up a little bit. So, you know, as a foreign policy structure, I, I think they're doing essentially the best they can if they can kind of fix the communication issues. But it's hard to be on one page when you just everything is happening there and we have to react to it. Then on the broader level of, of NATO, I think we've done a, a good job engaging with our uh, with our UK allies, with our Polish allies and our Baltic allies, Germany is kind of a standout. Germany uh, has different interests than some of its neighbors, and it has been very reluctant to engage in this pressure on Vladimir Putin. They make statements, they have supplied. I think Germany offered 5,000 helmets <laughs> to the Ukrainians. That's so far their, their most recent contribution. So they're not looking at uh, that they don't even allow flights over Germany if, if weapons are being shipped from Estonia to Ukraine. If they're German weapons in origin, Germany is not allowing those flights over its territory. So we have uh, some strained relations in NATO when it comes to this particular, and not just with any NATO member, with essentially the biggest European uh, power. And so that's something that we're going to have to try to fix one way or the other. And uh, it would help. We, right now, one of the criticisms I have is that we still do not have, as far as I know, a NATO ambassador. And we have people there, but... Um, uh, or, or you know, so we are a Ukraine ambassador. So we we've been kind of slow on some of this that we, that we need to pick back up on. But right. overall, like I said, it's kind of Russian driving the picture, and we have to react to it. Um, anything we do to shape the situation, as we're trying to do, but if we do so too aggressively, obviously the fear is that that simply gives Russia an excuse. Um, sure. This is this is complex, man. This is we, this is hard to predict. It's a very delicate thing. Obviously, Germany getting thirty percent of their energy at least from Russia uh, yep. gives them some economic incentive to obviously be more passive. I'll say. But uh, final question, Greg: Is this event in world history? Is this something that could actually strengthen NATO moving forward? Yes, it could, especially if Putin goes forth with it and, and reluctant countries like Germany or others uh, get a wake-up call and, and see that this is very real and that he may turn around and try to do it again in Georgia or in actual NATO members like, like the Baltics. So uh, it could, definitely. An outside threat is always something that can tighten the reins domestically or within the alliance. Uh, but it's a big test. It is a big test if there are fundamentally different interests and policies between, let's say, the United States and the United Kingdom versus Germany, uh, that it could actually fray the, the alliance even more as well. So uh, it's, it's difficult to predict which way it's going to go. But uh, you know, I, that doesn't mean the alliance is going to go away. I think it's just its functionality. I think what we're going to end up doing is what we've done for a long time now, and that's use what are called coalitions of the willing. That is, take the NATO members who are willing, say, to follow America's lead and work with that. 
And if Germany wants to stay out of it, well, that's unfortunate, but that, you know, that may just, we just have to deal with it. And uh, we'll, we'll see where that goes. Well, Greg Granger, it's always great to have you as a guest on the show. I certainly learn a lot from you. I'm quite sure our listeners do as well. Uh, our guest on Billy West Live has been Dr. Greg Granger. Greg, again, thank you so much for taking some time to visit with us. As things develop, obviously we'll get you back on to discuss the events uh, in Eastern Europe uh, and the implications to uh, Natchitoches, Northwest Louisiana, and the United States of America. Thank you, Greg Granger, for joining us on Billy West Live. Thank you, Billy. Anytime. Appreciate it. Yes, sir.